politics, culture, chaos. It's time to make sense of it all. It's time to have a little fun. This is your afternoon dose of sanity. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. You know, it's amazing. President Biden mocking a reporter today who's asking him about evacuating Americans from Afghanistan. This is blowing up. What a mess. Each day gets worse than the day before. And each day our government turns around and says, the Taliban's in charge. They got this. We're working with the Taliban, but they're in charge. The surrender of the United States of America in Afghanistan. This is so pathetic. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Afternoon Podcast. Hope you're having a great day today. Jen Psaki is in the middle of a very long White House press briefing. And quite frankly, I I was hoping that uh, it would be wrapped up by the time I started recording today. But the truth of the matter is this this could go on and on and on because they had the Secretary of State, Antony Blinken. uh, He gave his press conference. And to tell you the truth, the thing about it is that this guy's living in in an alternate reality. He thinks that the Taliban's going to help us after we leave. No, truly. Antony Blinken believes that the Taliban is going to help us after we leave on the 31st. They'll still they'll still work with us. Andrea Mitchell, of all people today, said to him, but Mr. Secretary, the the Taliban's not honoring their commitments now. We're, We're hearing stories from all over the place of a Taliban beating people, killing people, stopping them from getting to the airports. What are you talking about? What are you talking about, Mr. Secretary? This is this is the, the, the disconnect that's happening in this administration. I mean, truly. And then Jen Psaki today says we're on track to complete our mission by August 31st. But that's impossible. So today, uh, Anthony Blinken said, quote, the Taliban have made public and private commitments to provide and permit safe passage for Americans and Afghans at risk going forward past August 31st. And Andrea Mitchell, of all people, points out the Taliban are not complying with their agreements now to allow safe passage. And then the the Secretary of State turns around and goes, well, we're going to use every tool at our disposal. We're going to shame the Taliban. Basically, his strategy is to shame the Taliban in front of the world. You think the Taliban gives a damn what a bunch of infidels think of them? And I saw the most heartbreaking story today on CNN. Taliban telling Afghan women to stay home don't go to work. Soldiers are not trained to respect them. And they showed this uh, this school where girls who were learning, actually in, uh, getting an education, it's now just a religious school, and girls are not given an education anymore. From this point forward, they're just learning Sharia, they're just learning the Quran, and that's it. That's all it is. These people are savages. These are backwards savages, and we're acting like they're going to keep their commitments to the United States of America and to the world. These people are insane running this country. Joe Biden's been president for eight months. This is the biggest disaster of, of modern American history, maybe in American history. This is, this is a, an absolute disaster. And the State Department is actually blaming some Americans who might be in Afghanistan. Hey, if you haven't come out by now, it's on you. You know, they may not be able to. Because despite what, what the Taliban says to, to Biden, which I guess he believes, that There are stories of the Taliban holding people hostages already now. Peter uh, Ducey from Fox News asked Jen Psaki if it's still the policy of the administration that we do not negotiate with terrorists. And the answer here is, I mean, it's, it's, well, okay, you know what? Here, take a listen to yourself. Oh, hang on a second. Let me make sure that I have the right 
thing connected there. It's always uh, trying to scramble all together here to get all this this uh, podcast together for you in the midst of all these briefings and uh, and more briefings going on. And then, of course, the reaction that happens afterward. And it really is a situation where you see so many people coming out and speaking. Some of them are good. Some of them are not so good. Some of them are just okay. Well, the truth of the matter is, is that... Uh, all of this is so fluid, and I think it's the purpose of this afternoon podcast to bring you all of this information uh, really in real time, because in the morning I'm, I'm, I'm reacting to it after it happened, but this is all happening right now, in, in real time, right now. For Americans and mm-hmm. SIV holders continue, why haven't we heard the president say the United States does not negotiate with terrorists? Is that still the U.S. policy? Well, of course it is, Peter, but I would also say that uh, there's a reality that the Taliban is currently controlling large swaths of Afghanistan. Uh, That is a reality on the ground. And right now our focus and our priority is getting American citizens evacuated and our Afghan partners evacuated. And I would say, given the numbers that we've outlined and briefed for you, uh, that we've had made a great deal of progress in doing exactly that. I would say to you that it's now United States policy that we will not negotiate with terrorists unless the terrorists are in charge of the country, even though they're, they're, they're not really in charge of the country. They're just saying they are because Afghanistan had a government and had a president. And now the Taliban took over. We have not formally recognized them as the head of state. This is part of the strategy of the State Department, though. We'll shame the Taliban on the world stage. We'll, we'll shame them. Don't you? Whoa, you'll see. They're not going to like to be shamed. Oh, no, no. They're not going to like it. This, this, is, this is a bizarre, bizarre situation that's unfolding in front of our eyes right now. So many people are frustrated today, as you can imagine. People are frustrated because the president is still sticking with this August 31st deadline. Democrats are frustrated by this. Here's Pennsylvania. This is a, a member of Congress from Pennsylvania, Chrissy Houlihan. She represents uh, our area outside of Philadelphia. This is what she said. Congresswoman, what is your confidence level that the U.S. can get everyone out of Afghanistan that we want to get out by August 31st? I would assess that as being pretty low. Uh, I think if you do the math, just simple math about how many people we believe that we need to be successful at extracting, whether our own people or those who have helped us, uh, six days from now, we aren't able to accomplish that number of people. So I'm, I'm a little bit uh, less than optimistic about that, that, uh, that particular date certain. She's less than optimistic and she's trying to be kind. But here's the thing. I wouldn't be if I were you. I wouldn't be. You know why? Because the truth of the matter is that Democrats are going to get killed in midterms because of this. The one thing the American people can't stand is when it looks like we are weak on the world stage. And this looks like we are so weak on the world stage. Does it not? I mean, we look like a bunch of wimps retreating and letting the Taliban call all the shots. She continued news. Uh, but I do think that it's, it is worrisome, as we talked about just now, that we probably won't be able to accomplish the mission of leaving no one behind uh, with the timelines that we have. And so uh, I think that the atmosphere and the mood within the um, meeting was bipartisanly one of encouraging the president to reconsider that date. The mission's a failure and they know it's a failure and the Democrats know this is on them. Yes, it's bipartisan at this point asking him to extend the deadline. But guess what? They, the, the, the truth of the matter is, is that they all know that Biden is, is not listening to them. He's not listening to anybody. So how many people are left in, in Afghanistan right now? How many people are left? John uh, Kirby came out, he, this Pentagon spokesman, he gave this whole mathematical formula of how many Americans might be left. And I think the number is 1,500. 
I'm not a math guy. It was like if two trains leave Seattle at the same one goes south. Uh, but he did this whole calculation. We think it's 1,500. We're not totally sure. Okay? Now, he says the reason why we, we can't be sure is because we don't make Americans register with the United States of America when they come to a country. Okay? But Afghanistan's not exactly Mexico. It's not Italy. These are. I think if somebody's going to Afghanistan, the United States government probably would know. Wouldn't you think? But I'll tell you what, how about this? Don't you agree that the United States government should know how many people are on the terror watch list trying to leave Afghanistan to come to the United States of America? That's pretty easy. That's pretty, all they got to do then is just look at the list. Look at the list and go, oh, okay, so this person's on it, this person's on it, this person's on it. But today, again, the Pentagon spokesman, do you know how many people are on the terror watch list? who have been screened during evacuation of Afghanistan. International community, but that won't be an American responsibility. And just one more. Um, how many individuals on terror watch lists have been screened or found at any of the screening points, either in Qatar, Ramstein, or in the U.S.? Uh, I don't know. Uh, we'll have to take that question and, uh, and get back to you. Nazir. Thank you, John. Thank you, General. We don't know. Uh, behalf of Afghan we don't people, know. thank you very much. And we don't know how many of them have been screened. We'll get back to you. We'll get back to you. We, we, we don't have any idea. So we don't know how many Americans are still in Afghanistan. We don't know how many people on the terror watch list have come to the United States of America. What, what do these people know is my question. Oh, I know. They know the Taliban's in charge. That's right. They, they know the Taliban is in charge. Anthony Blinken, who is the biggest failure of Secretary of State. I mean, this guy makes John Kerry look competent. Secretary of State Blinken. Again, telling the world the Taliban is in charge. The Taliban is in charge. I, I, these people. The Taliban have made public and private commitments to provide and permit safe passage for Americans, for third country nationals, and Afghans at risk going forward past August 31st. The United States, our allies and partners, and more than half of the world's countries, 114 in all, issued a statement making it clear to the Taliban that they have a responsibility to hold to that commitment and provide safe passage. Oh, they have a responsibility. For anyone who wishes to leave the country, not just for the duration uh, of our evacuation and relocation mission, but for every day thereafter. So we are going to rely on the, on the Taliban. Think about this now. When this August 31st deadline comes, the United States of America, the greatest superpower in the history of the world, with the greatest, most advanced, sophisticated military in the world, is going to rely on the Taliban to get our people home. And the Taliban, they've made commitments that even after the United States military is fully out of Afghanistan, they're going to help get our people home. Does anybody believe that? Does anybody believe that? This guy is saying this. I'm telling you, he must be drugged up. I think he must be on Valium or something. You know, sometimes these people, they take that stuff. They take the, 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 to calm them and they get detached because he's got this glazed look in his eyes, honestly. I, like, like he's not even there, blinking. Like, like he, I mean, he keeps blinking and it's almost like he's not there. I think it must be something. Maybe some, some, some tea from some country around the world that mellows the guy out. But you cannot be processing reality and sit there with a straight face and say, the Taliban's made a commitment. They're going to get our people home. Anyone who's left after the 31st? It's absurd. We're taking every precaution, but this is very high risk. As the president said yesterday, we're on track to complete our mission by August 31st, provided the Taliban continue to cooperate 
and there are no disruptions to this effort. We have to, we, we will get our, our mission completed successfully if the Taliban cooperates. Okay, this is, this is what we're telling the world. We're telling the world right now that we will get our mission accomplished successfully as long as the Taliban cooperates. We have the greatest military in the world. A month ago, we were in complete control of Afghanistan. And now, to get Americans home, we have to rely on the Taliban. And we have basically have given up on the Afghans who helped us in the war effort. We've just basically given up on them. We, we know they're dead at this point. The, the United States of America, they're not saying it, but they know that they're dead. There's nothing they can do about this. The minute that the Taliban set up their checkpoints, which I, I, I told you yesterday in the podcast, that broke that they set up these, these checkpoints around Afghanistan and they said no more Afghans can leave the country. No more Afghans can leave the country. So that means, and the, the reason why they're doing it is they're hunting for the people that helped us. So they're actively hunting for the translators. They're actively hunting for all the people that work side by side with the American military. And because of that now, we can't get them. And, and the United States isn't going to send the military in to go get them. So they're dead. They're dead. It's just a matter of when. It's just a matter of when when you're going to see the executions carried out. It's not going to be till the 31st, obviously. It'll probably be what, maybe a week or two later. Oh, maybe. Let me just pick a random date. Uh, let's see. The, the 10th, the 12th, maybe the 11th of September. I wonder if their calendar's free. I wonder if their calendar's clear over there in Afghanistan, the Taliban. I wonder if they got any time on their hands on, say, I don't know, September 11th to execute people on world, the world stage to let them know never, ever trust the Americans again. The amount of damage that has been done to our reputation around the world and continues to be damaged by these idiots in Washington, it, it's, it's almost like it's not real. Do you feel that way sometimes? Like This can't be real? There's no way the, the United States could have allowed this to happen. There's no way the United States could have, could have been this stupid. Right? But yet here we are because Joe Biden's president of the United States. Eight months in, eight months in, and this is the disaster that is the Biden presidency. And, you know, at this rate, the Russians are going to take back Alaska. And I think Mexico is going to try to get Texas back. Would you, be, I mean, I, I'd check on the validity of the Louisiana Purchase because, I don't know, I, I hear France gets a little itchy this time of year. Who's going to respect us after this? Who is going to respect us after this? This is, this. you might have heard this on Fox News. This is um, pleading pleading to get out of the country. They're stranded at home. We can't get to the airport. When we try to get to the airport, we either get beaten up or we're afraid for our lives. For four days, three, four days, we didn't hear anything from anywhere. And then um, they're saying to go to the airport, but we're not being given clear guidance. They're saying one thing and then the next thing they come and say something else. So you really exactly don't know what to do. There's a lot of miscommunication going on. Um, you know, your emails are getting ignored. Or I mean, imagine being stranded in a situation like this and not receiving anything for three, four days from the U.S. Embassy or the State Department. I am afraid for my life that I don't know how, you know, how things are going to go. But I really need, I really need our president to really, um, really consider this serious. We are in danger. We are in danger, Mr. President. Please help us. Exactly. So she's. Very that was from Fox and Friends this morning. This American government worker. They don't want to say her name, obviously, for fear of 
Taliban retaliation against her. So with all of that, then, the president of the United States had the audacity to get snarky with NBC's Pete Alexander, who had who dared to ask the president of the United States a question. Remember, the reader in chief, Joe Biden, comes out, he reads words on a screen and then he turns his back to America and walks away. That's what he does. Comes out, reads words, stares at you because you're staring at the camera, reads words, stumbles over those words, which is why I want a celebrity reader. I just want somebody who's a good narrator. Matthew McConaughey, James Earl Jones. I don't Oh, I mean, uh, who's the one that does all those animal commercials? Get her on there. Sarah McLaughlin? No, I think she sings. Annette Bening. How about her? She's Is she free? Anyone. I don't care. Just get somebody who can read without stumbling over every other word. You're just going to stare at me and read. And then he turns his back. And you get a nice shot of his back as he as he as he hobbles back to his office. That's our president. That's our. He doesn't take questions. No, no, there's no questions anymore. He comes out and gives speeches like an animatronic robot. Why don't we just get the Joe Biden that's in the Hall of Presidents at Epcot and bring that Joe Biden up and just program the speech into him? Here's what you do: instead of loading the speech into the teleprompter, load it into the animatronic Joe Biden president at Epcot. And the Hall of Presidents and just have that thing deliver the speech. It'd be the exact same thing. Actually, it might sound better because they could program the animatronic Joe Biden to not stumble over every 18th word or eighth word. That, right. I mean, the, the, this technology, they could stand there and we could, could move, you know, move around and, and then deliver the speech. So the teleprompter guys just loaded into him. Done. Situation solved. He had the audacity to get snippy. Take a listen. Thank you all very much, and thank the press for being here. We're going to go private now. Mr. So, you know what you heard? Silence. They cut the feed. You know why they cut the feed? The White House cut the feed? Because Joe Biden says, the President of the United States of America... After he's asked that question by NBC's Pete Alexander, he says, you'll be the first person I call with a smirk on his face. You've got Americans right now who are terrified for their lives. They know that they're going to die at the hands of the Taliban if they don't get home. We have Afghans who work side by side with us who are going to be beheaded on national television, live television. We have a situation in Afghanistan where the United States look like, looks like the weakest country in the world. And this guy's sitting there doing domestic signing ceremonies. And when the press dare to ask him a question, he turns around, gets a snarky little smirk on his face and goes, you'll be the first person I call. The NBC's Pete Alexander. That's outrageous. It's just unacceptable. Peter Ducey actually asked Jen Psaki about that today. You know what's up with the laughing? Like what's what's up with the with, with the laughing? The, the you know the you're, you're mocking. What, what's so funny about this, Jen? What's so funny about this? Why do you think it's okay to laugh at a reporter in the midst of all this? In the midst of everything, what's so funny, Jen? At the tail end of the president's remarks today about cybersecurity. He was asked about Afghanistan, and he made a joke. I think Peter asked him that question. The other Peter did, and he made a joke. So what's so funny? Well, I think the question he was asked, if I remember correctly, was about uh, when he will provide information about a decision on August 31st. I don't want to paraphrase the question if that was an inaccurate description of the question. A lot of, people watch. of course, it's a very important question. And I think what he conveyed uh, what is that um, 
he has not. Well, what I can convey from here, I should say, is that uh, as he stated yesterday and as the Secretary of State just stated, we're on track to complete our mission by August 31st. Say that. Obviously, there are discussions uh, and the president received a briefing just this morning. Uh, as I noted, he asked yesterday for contingency plans and he received a briefing on them this morning. These are incredibly serious issues and they are discussions that are happening internally. And I note that um, in addition to the contingency. Oh, enough is enough. The point is, why was the president snarky and made a joke out of this when you've got Americans who are terrified of losing their lives? What, what, what's so funny about it? What's so funny? That's my question. And I'll tell you something, too. The, the entire time that I'm watching these briefings today and they have no idea what they're doing. Think of, think of the incompetence of this administration at every single level. And ask yourself this. If in eight months that this administration has messed this up so badly, what are the next three years going to be like? What disasters await us? Because the Biden administration is trying to claim like they had a deal with the Taliban that they had to honor a May 1st deadline, which they pushed to August 31st. We didn't have to, we didn't know the Taliban a damn thing. The Biden administration keeps coming out and saying we had, we, we, we inherited from our predecessor a deal that was made with the Taliban. So what? We don't know them a damn thing. They're savages. They're backwards sand people is what they are. They're sand people. Hey, you want to defend them? Knock yourself out. You you want to if you want to be one of those like like woke liberals and and defend all people and all cultures and all races. Go ahead. These guys are savages. Sharia laws being instituted. Women are not going to be allowed to go to school. Not be allowed to really do anything. That's outside of Sharia law. They're savages. They're sand people. And we don't owe them a damn thing. If the, if the May 1st deadline came and went and the August 31st deadline came and went, we turn around and we say to them, what are you going to do? That's what we say. We turn around and we say, what are you going to do about it? I feel like getting some guys from Jersey to go down there to Afghanistan and stand there with a bunch of like bats and clubs and go, what are you going to do? Yeah, what are you going to do with the United States of America? We'll leave when we're damn ready to leave. Or maybe we won't leave. How do you like that? Maybe we'll stay. Eh? Maybe we'll stay. Instead, we go, oh, well, we, you know, we, we can't upset the Taliban. We, they, might, they might use violence against us. Oh, they might use violence against us. Oh, 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 let's run, let's run, let's run. We're the United States of America. We're not supposed to be afraid of a bunch of savages. We're not supposed to be afraid of anybody, but certainly not a bunch of sand people. They live in caves. They live in the desert in caves and they ride camels and they think that women should not be allowed to drive. Gay people should be stoned to death. Adulterers should be stoned to death. And it's perfectly fine to kill a woman because she happens to uh, walk down the street by herself in in the middle of the day. They think it's perfectly fine to cut the head off infidels. I mean, explain to me how this is a modern culture. Explain to me how these people, you can sit across the table and negotiate. You don't negotiate with these people. You tell them what's what. And if they don't agree, you bomb them back into the Stone Age again. It's not that complicated. The only thing they understand and respect is is fear and force. That's it. Not diplomacy. Certainly not diplomacy. The Taliban represent the worst of humanity. There's nothing good about them. There, there, there's nothing good. There's no medical advances. I can't point out, well, you know, but the Taliban, say what you want about how they treat women and, and, and minorities and gay people. And, but do but, but you see how they discover that life-saving drug? They, they've never created a technological advancement. They are, they are religious fanatics. And all they want to do is, is make the entire world 
an Islamic empire. That is what they want. And nothing else matters to them. Nothing. They're not going to invent the next electric vehicle. They're not going to invent the next uh, pharmaceutical breakthrough. They're not going to write the great American novel or the great uh, any novel. They are dedicated to one purpose, making the world succumb to Sharia law. That's it. These are the people we're relying on to get American citizens home. These are the people the world's greatest superpower is relying on to get our people home. This is a shameful time for America. This might be the most shameful time in American history. Certainly in modern American history. To think that the, that, that the sand people, like from Star Wars, that's what I think in my mind. That's what I think of the Taliban. I really do. You know the scene with Luke and Obi-Wan Kenobi? They got to get away from the sand people because they're coming out of the caves. That's what I think of the Taliban. I really do. Actually, I think the sand people in Star Wars are way more advanced. I think they were able to, to use high-tech weapons. And, and we have now surrendered to them. And the best part is, we tell the world, don't worry about it because we're, listen, after the deadline, the Taliban, they're giving our word, we're going to, don't worry, we're, they'll work with us, they're going to help us, ah, we're good, we're good. I think, too, part of the frustration that I have is that we knew this was going to happen. And we knew that Joe Biden was never going to really be the president. We knew that people would be calling the shots and pulling the strings around him. But did anyone know it would be this bad? Did anyone really imagine it would be this bad, as bad as it is now, as bad, so bad that, that, that you've got even now Democrats coming out and saying what a terrible situation this is? Even the vampiric one, the Speaker of the House herself, got out of the crypt today and finally spoke about this. Because all she did up to now was issue a statement saying some of the effect of, oh, we had to get out of Afghanistan. Now she, she got out of the crypt, she emerged, she got out a nice pint of blood from some unsuspecting intern. She walked to the lectern and said the following. To lose your home and your job and everything else, uh, but containing any loss of life. Takes me down to, now to Afghanistan. Hopes and prayers and thoughts are with the people there. Uh, We salute our men and women in uniform, our diplomats, our intelligence people who have worked so hard uh, in, uh, in the Afghanistan arena for a number of years, and especially right now. Uh, Again, I salute my members, uh, uh, Jason Crow taking the lead on uh, legislation, allies, and hope that uh, that, uh, to help those who helped us, and hopefully as many of those people will be uh, evacuated as possible, hopefully all. Uh, But this is... A, a tragic situation. I've been there eight or nine times, and most of the time we visited women in the hinterlands. We would go on Mother's Day under the leadership of Susan Davis, our former colleague. Not going to be able to do that and, anymore. And uh, we would want to um, just see. What? Not, what? With all the respect in the world for all the women who advance as judges and doctors and heads of universities. We're not going to do those things anymore. Uh, leading figures. We mm-hmm. also were visiting the poorest of the poor women and seeing what their aspirations were for their daughters to to be able to go to school and the rest. So we've changed Afghanistan in that respect, and that women well, have seen the light of day. About to change it back. But now that is under threat. Under and threat. We want to make sure that there's a big bright light shining 
uh, on Afghanistan if they wish to participate uh, globally in any way. Respect for women and people in general uh, is a factor in all of that. So with that, I'll take a question. Do they not understand the Taliban is not interested in sitting around the League of Nations? The Taliban's not interested in that. That's not their thing. They're not looking to be friends with anybody. They're looking to conquer the world and spread Sharia law. Why is this so hard for these people to fathom? Why is it so hard for them to understand that that is the motivation of the Taliban? It's not that complicated. Let's cut through the BS. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. Here we go. Ready? Look, there's a droid on the scanner. Dead ahead. Might be our little R2 unit. Hit the accelerator. That's the sound of the Taliban in the mountains. George Lucas was so ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yes, I'm playing a clip from Star Wars right now. Hey, whoa, just where do you think you're going? I found out too. Master Luke is your rightful owner now. We'll have no more of this Obi-Wan Kenobi gibberish. And don't talk to me about this mission either. You're fortunate he doesn't blast you into a million pieces right here. The first Star Wars right was so good, wasn't it? No, it's all I don't right. know what I happened to the others. Oh, I know what happened. Uh, idiot executives at Disney who don't know what they're there doing got involved and ruined it is what happened. That's what Sand happened. People. Sand people. Sand people. Sand people. Taliban. The Taliban. Come on, let's go have a look. At some point in the future, there's going to be some woke liberal who's going to try to cancel well, me because I call them sand people. There are two baths down there. Truly, you know that, right? Wait a second. They're sand people, all right. I can see one of them now. Yeah. yeah that's, that's the Taliban mating call. Right now, the whole before before some liberal tries to cancel me, or let me say to the future liberal who tries to cancel me for equating them to the sand people in Star Wars. Listen, why don't you take a listen to this? This little report from Clarissa Ward at CNN, who's done such a phenomenal job of covering all this and really highlighting everything that is the truth about what's going on on the ground in Afghanistan. I think probably more than anybody has has been able to understand. And she's been great. And this is one of those things about sometimes journalists stand up and say the right things and do the right things. And they're rare. And when when they do that, we want to recognize them and acknowledge them because it's fantastic that that happens. And Clarissa Ward has been on the ground. She's been reporting from the airport. She's been reporting of everything. By the way, breaking news, the State Department just had a briefing. They said there's a real possibility of an ISIS attack. So we got back on. I just come across a room here in the mosque complex full of little girls studying, but they're not studying math and science. They are studying Quran. CNN's Clarissa Ward got a look inside a religious class for Afghan girls. Do the girls go to regular school as well? In July, No, no, they don't go to school, just here. Can I ask why they don't go to school? They do everything in here, they don't want to go there. 
School attendance rates in Afghanistan and girls are less likely to attend school across all ages. Source, the Islamic Republic of Afghanistan. We assure this to people all over the world, especially the people of Afghanistan. Islam has given rights to everyone equally. Women have their own rights. How much Islam has given rights to women, we will give them that much. So the governor and the mosque told us that girls will be educated now that the Taliban has changed, but this teacher has just told us these girls only receive religious education. The kinder, gentler Taliban. Is, is that is that not the funniest thing you've ever heard? The Taliban, man, what a racket they have, right? They go into Afghanistan and they tell the world, we're a kinder, gentler Taliban now. Yeah, we actually give you painkillers before we behead you. There's, you know, just to make it a little bit like, I mean, the old Taliban never did that. Now, the old Taliban, when they were stoning you, they would just stone you. We, we actually give you now a little bit of, like, benzocaine, like what, the, like, like what the dentist gives you, I think. This way, it doesn't hurt as bad, as as bad. We're going to give them rights. Everyone has rights under, under Islam. They'll get whatever rights they get under Islam. What, what they're not saying in that little clip, of course, is that they take the most radical approach here under Sharia law, and in Sharia law, women have no rights. But but they're telling America this, and, and I guess the idiots at the White House are believing this, or, or want to believe this, I guess. They, they want to believe that this is true. I, I don't know, but do you have another explanation for it? I certainly don't. Let me just, just, just I want to update you on this, on the fact of uh, the stupidest thing I've heard all day today. And I've heard a lot of very stupid things. I think we can all agree on on a couple things about coronavirus. Number one is that uh, it was made in a lab in China. Now, if you still believe that it was a bat burger, a medium rare bat burger or some pangolin fries, then let me ask you this. How come after the big 90 day review was concluded of the origins of covid? How come they haven't found the source in nature yet? How come they have not found the bat burger, the bat that was of the burger? Why not? They were able to find SARS the origin of SARS very, very quickly. So the report that came out today, inconclusive, basically saying, well, we don't know. We couldn't find anything. Now, that to me absolutely proves it was the lab. And China is not letting one into the lab anyway. And whatever samples were there, they've destroyed. But the truth of the matter is that if it was found in nature, if this virus came from nature, we probably would have found out by now. It's been 18 months. The second thing we all know about coronavirus is it doesn't spread outdoors. It doesn't. It's not even a question of, it. well, it kind of spreads outdoors. No, it doesn't spread outdoors. Part of the reason of of why I I concluded, as others have too, Brett Weinstein, some other doctors, that the virus could not have come from nature is the fact that viruses that come from nature spread outdoors. It's their natural home. Zoonotic viruses spread outdoors. Viruses that are made in labs don't. At least this one doesn't. This one spreads indoors. So that's why if you are somebody who wants to be careful, my suggestion to you is if you want to be careful, then wear a mask indoors because the likelihood of spread is much higher. Now, remember, you can still spread colds and flus outdoors. That's the difference. You know why? Because those viruses are spread by droplets and COVID is spread by aerosolized, you know, it's the aerosolized nature of this virus. It also makes a lot of people understand why it was most likely Not most likely. It was made in a lab. We know this. Yet the idiot governor of Oregon, Kate Brown, this woman's a real Mensa candidate here. She's a real genius. She has now told every liberal in America, hey, listen, you and your mask mandates, hold my beer. Watch this. I'm going to do something even wackier. I'm going to do something even wackier than telling vaccinated people they have to wear masks. I'm going to do this. Ready? 
I'm continuing to take actions to protect Oregonians and save lives. Today, I'm announcing that effective Friday, August 27th, masks will be required in all public outdoor settings where physical distancing is not possible, regardless of vaccination status. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Masks have proven to be effective at reducing transmission and are a necessary measure right now, even in some outdoor settings, to help us fight COVID and to protect one another. Outdoor mask wearing. In addition, the Oregon Health Authority strongly recommends masking and outdoor gatherings at private residences where people from different (laughs) households do not maintain physical distance. This virus knows no boundaries and community spread can turn a small gathering into an outbreak. Your brain cells don't know each other. Nobody is spreading COVID uh, outside no, and, and with their friends, they're going to have their friends come over. Hey, guys, come over for a barbecue. But listen, we all got to mask up, all right? Thanks for coming over to our pool party. You mind masking up before you jump in the pool? I, I really don't. It, it's hard to fathom the level of stupidity here. But then again, remember, it, it's stupidity. Yes, of course it is. It's also control, though, right? I mean, the ultimate control is to get people to have to wear masks outside. They love that. And what will happen is, like all good liberals, every other liberal will follow suit and they'll all make the same ridiculous rules in place. They'll do that. It's what they do. So as much as we've all been enjoying this time being outside without a mask on, how long is that going to change? How long is that going to last? How long is that going to last until there comes a time where they, again, you got to mask up outdoors? Smart, funny podcast. This is the Rich Zioli Podcast. You know, to the... um, Future liberal that tries to cancel me for the, comparing the Taliban to the Sand People in Star Wars. I compare a lot of people to characters in Star Wars, including, of course, my employers, who I have for years now called, uh, equated them to the evil empire in Star Wars. Uh, I've given the t- Darth title to several of them and um, will continue to do so. So it's just a thing I do. But they are savages. They are, they, are, they are medieval savages, the Taliban. And they are the sand people. They live in caves and they run around and they grunt and make noises and, they're, and they're, they're, they're backwards people. And I'm sorry, but until you want to enter the modern world, I'm not going to respect you. I, I'm not going to respect... I, look, I don't respect the Klan. Why, why would I respect the Taliban? So, I mean, this is, this is what I mean. These, these are people that are not normal people. They're religious fanatics and extremists. And I can't believe we're going to allow the United States of America, the United States of America is going to actually think the Taliban is going to help them. Uh, let me give you a couple other things. Speaking of cancel culture, one of the my favorite mascots in football is, uh, is Notre Dame. All right, the Fighting Irish. That guy's great. So Notre Dame is defending the Fighting Irish mascot after a recent survey indicated people find it offensive. A survey conducted by Quality Logo found that the Fighting Irish are viewed as the fourth most offensive mascot in college sports. Florida State's San Diego State and Hawaii's former mascot took the top three spots. All three are tied to Native American heritage. Now, Notre Dame responded by not caving. Not yet. Eventually they will. I guarantee you eventually the the fighting Irish mascot will be gone. No, right now in America, you can pick on two groups of people, Italians and the Irish, and that's it. And that's mostly because my people don't get offended. They, we don't get offended. And the Irish don't get offended either. And, and you know, if you make a, a, a comment, chances are they won't remember it the next morning uh, anyway. 
Uh, just a joke. It is worth noting that there is no comparison between Notre Dame's nickname and mascot and the Indian and warrior names and mascots used by other institutions such as the NFL team, formerly known as the Redskins. None of these institutions were founded or named by Native Americans who sought to highlight their heritage by using names and symbols associated with their people. Okay, so that's what Notre Dame said, which is good. I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad they're pushing back on this fact. However, a lot of people think it makes uh, a lot of the stereotypes of Irish people being uh, drunk and fighting. And a lot of Irish people are going to get drunk and fight over this very, very thing as soon as this podcast is over. I kid. Come on. Lighten up, people. University of Pennsylvania students can now learn how white nationalism intersects with climate change this semester. The course is entitled Extreme Heat, White Nationalism in the Age of Climate Change. <laughs> white nationalism in the age of climate change will help students learn about the relationship between environmentalism right-wing populism and the climate crisis the glaciers are melting heat waves hurricanes earthquakes floods wildfires and droughts devastate even larger swaths of the earth producing crop failures air pollution soil erosion famine and terrifying individual hardship simultaneously white militants chant blood and soil Social media spreads memes and talking points about white genocide and white replacement. And YouTube celebrities fantasize about building white ethnostates. So now you know that climate change is to blame for white nationalism or white nationalism is to blame for climate change. I'm not, I don't know exactly the correlation, how that works. But just know that in, in indoctrination school, the, just just go, yeah, just understand. Oh, hang on, you hit you know they changed the name of the Sand People to Tusken Raiders in um, The Mandalorian? I guess Disney found Sand People to be offensive. I don't care. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so this is from our friends of the College Fix, by the way. How right-wing populism and climate change intersect. Well, think about it. I mean, most glaciers are white. But they're melting, though, so I don't know. I'm, I, right, aren't they melting? Isn't that what they say? I, I thought I heard them say that. Uh, how about this now, College Fix? Um, Michigan State University recently published a 77-page diversity, equity, and inclusion framework that lists dozens of goals to infuse the progressive ideology into every aspect of campus life, from curriculum to hiring practices to funding priorities. Among the recommendations is to implement a minimum of two DEI-related requirements in the formal curriculum for undergraduate students. Another state of goals to establish a curriculum task force to identify ways to incorporate that within university-wide undergraduate requirements. So this is good news for those of you who want to make sure that your children are further brainwashed in college. If it's not enough to understand how white supremacists are causing climate change, I, I'm trying to understand too, is it the, is it the, you think, I, okay, you know what, I just figured it out. All those white sheets that the Klan and Virginia Governor Ralph Northam have to wash all the time do you know how much detergent that is kicking into the ecosystem and all the water they're using? Because the Klan, they want those uniforms to be sparkly white, as Ralph Northam told us. You remember Governor Ralph Northam of Virginia? The one guy, because again, if you are a certain political persuasion, you can hang out at the cool kids table and you can put shoe polish on your face and take a picture of the guy at a Klan robe and still be governor because you're a member of the cool kids table. You're one of the most radical pro-abortion governors in the country, so they give you a pass on that stuff. But I imagine that Nothram in that college yearbook photo probably made sure that Klan outfit was quite bleached. And maybe that's the issue, is that the bleach from the, from the Klan washing their robes is causing climate change. I don't know. I'm not sure. I can make Klan jokes still, right? 
I make jokes about the Klan, Nazis, uh, and the Taliban. And I feel like the liberals will one day defend the Taliban. I don't know why. I just have this weird feeling about it. Again, I'm not mocking Afghanistan people. I want the Afghanis who serve with America to get out. And in all seriousness, my heart breaks thinking about what's going to happen to these people. It really does because of these savages. These savages are going to get their hands on them and, and show the world their savage brutality. And I fear we're going to wind up being back in there. I hope I'm wrong. I really do. I hope I'm wrong because I don't want a nation build anymore. I, I think we have to learn our lesson about going into these countries. The Taliban, they have no interest in being a democracy. They don't believe in it. They believe in being a religious theocracy. They believe in Sharia law. That's, that's it. That's what they believe. And there's no getting around that fact. No matter what any feel-good liberal wants to tell you, they are not looking to do anything other than to, to rule under Sharia law. That's it, period. That's all they want to do. And as of right now, as I conclude with you right now, uh, there are at least maybe 1,000 Americans, 1,500 Americans trapped in Afghanistan who may need evacuation as I wrap up this afternoon podcast. I stay alone. Now, many of you have asked how many U.S. citizens remain in Afghanistan who want to leave the country. Based on our analysis, starting on August 14, when our evacuation operations began, there was then a population of as many as 6,000 American citizens in Afghanistan who wanted to leave. Over the last 10 days, roughly 4,500 of these Americans have been safely evacuated, along with immediate family members. Over the past 24 hours, we've been in direct contact with approximately 500 additional Americans and provided specific instructions on how to get to the airport safely. We'll update you regularly on our progress in getting these 500 American citizens out of Afghanistan. For the remaining roughly 1,000 contacts that we had who may be Americans seeking to leave Afghanistan, we're aggressively reaching out to them multiple times a day through multiple channels of communication, phone, email, text messaging, to determine whether they still want to leave who, who, who uh, to and uh, to get the to most up-to-date information. Let, let me just stop it here. 1,500 Americans are still in Afghanistan. We're going to leave on the 31st. What day is it? The 25th? Uh, so I'm no math guy. That's like, what, six days? And a lot of the Americans, from what I'm hearing, are, are staying with their Afghani counterparts who helped them in the war. There's obviously a lot of loyalty. Troops who fought side by side, and they know these people are going to be killed by the Taliban. They know that they will be butchered. There's already been stories in Afghanistan of the Taliban hanging people. There's already been stories of them, of them. Uh, I believe, two police officers, at least so far, that were hanged in public by the Taliban for the crime of working with the Americans. That's what I mean. They're savages. They're savages. They are, they are brutal savages. And so whatever they do at this point is going to be brutal to the Afghans who helped us. And these people, in my mind, are heroes. And we should do everything we possibly can to secure their safe passage out of that country so the sand people can't get them and grunt and moan and do all the other things that the sand people do. That's what we need to do. That's the only thing we should be doing is getting our people out and getting those people out. Be one of them now. Taliban man. We need to do this. And yet we are failing right in front of our eyes. It is so incredibly frustrating. It is so incredibly disheartening what, what is happening right now in the world. And now there's new terror concerns amid a Taliban takeover. The good news, though, which I will leave with you today with some good news, and that is this. 
There's no way Joe Biden can get a re- re-elected. There's no way Joe Biden can get a re-elected.